It was a time when pro wrestling was a pop culture phenomenon. Talk about your songs, talk about John 316. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. Pay-per-view quality matches live on free TV every Monday night. Monday, July 6th. Back at the battle between WCW Monday Nitro and WWF Monday Night Raw. It's me, Austin! Oh, son of a bitch! What? It's me, Austin! It was me all along, Austin! This is Reliving the War with Simon Tackler and Nims Azul. You can call this the new world order of wrestling! Welcome, brother. everyone, to another big edition and another big year of Reliving the War. We've crossed off 96, we've crossed off 97 and 98, and now we head to 1999. This is the it's the podcast where we go through the Monday Night Wars. We are reliving the war, as it says, exclusively on the Grey Wolf Entertainment Network. My name is Nimsazor, joined as always by my broadcast partner and tag team partner, Simon Tackler. And Simon, can you believe that we're at 1999? I can't believe it. I wish we were at the year 2001 when it comes to WCW after watching this show. Because, wow, <laughs> was this absolutely the hardest show to watch that I think we've reviewed. Has well, and we'll get into it in in, uh, in greater depth you know, when we go through the review. But have we not seen? I can't think of a greater nosedive in history than watching these WCW pay per views. It's amazing how sudden it was too. You know, it felt like there was a really solid run of pay per views. Um, ninety six was pretty damn solid the whole year through for WCW. Ninety seven as well didn't come off the rails yet. Ninety eight. Not too bad, but 98 literally is just a a downward slope from January mm. to December. A massive, massive decline there. But uh, before we get into the paper, let's look back at the year 1999. And uh, because for me, 1999, I reckon this was peak wrestling fandom for me. I, I, my family had just got the internet, so I'd finally discovered things like RajaWWF.com and... Um, and the other site that he used to always go to was iWrestling.com. These were my big sources for news. WWF Attitude was a big game on the PlayStation for me. And a mate of mine um, lent me his Nintendo 64. So I was playing a lot of WrestleMania 2000 in 1999. So it was a big year as a wrestling fan for me. What about yourself? 1999 is, yeah, like bang in the fandom of being in primary school. Uh, in grade six and wrestling became cool over those past couple of years yeah. so anyone who was into it was you know um you were the shit in school and yeah nobody knew more than like me and a few of my friends so it was a good time to be a wrestler it was a real i'll tell you what real... i was absolutely by this point pretty much strictly a wwf fan because wcw pretty bad yeah, and it's ironic now too, especially since motorsport is basically my full-time job, but the amount of times where I would turn on Channel 10 on a Sunday night and see Formula 1 and be like, ah, damn it, this is shit. Where's Superstars at? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was no regular schedule for Superstars. You would just look through the TV guide. Sometimes it would say Superstars on a Friday night or a Sunday night. You would t try and time your VCR to record it. 
you'd wake up the next day and be like, oh, let's see if Superstars was on. No, no, no. But uh, oh, look, what we might do is we might have, we might try and relive one episode of Superstars <laughs> to see what they were going through because it was always funny. It's like the, the thing that always stands out to me. You remember Stone Cold Steve Austin used to always be on that Nash Bridges show or whatever it was yes. called. <laughs> Nash Bridges with Don Johnson and uh, Cheech Marin. What a cast! <laughs> Don Johnson and Cheech and Stone Cold. I'd watch that sh- any version of that show now, to be honest. Oh yeah, it was a gr- so it was a great year, as you can tell, for wrestling and wrestling fans. But not if you started it off with WCW NWO sold out nineteen ninety nine. It kicks off with one of those weird broadcast interruptions where Ric Flair is announced as the president of WCW and he's saying that WCW is reunited against the NWO. It's a pretty um, jarring way to start off a year. Uh, and a terrible video, can I just say. So it's done Awful. like a, a presidential um, kind of press conference, very similar to what DX famously did with Shawn Michaels, Triple H in China, doing the the take on Bill Clinton and that, you know, great, uh, video that they still use all the time where they say oh we're not going to swear and then they end up swearing and mm-hmm. anyway <laughs> great classic dx it's like they watched that and said let's do the most boring version of that with no fun at all like rick flair's the president they're making it out that he's the president of the united states with the way the this the video looked. there's literally no jokes and no- nothing in it it's played dead serious yeah <laughs> except the stupid oh. thing is too it seems to also still have like that nwo filter not filter but like edit style because it cuts in and out does jumps it's like what is going on like, like you're it meant makes... to be watching yeah. it on a videotape i yeah i don't know i didn't get it and this reminded me i think we've mentioned it before but sort of the way wcw treated rick flair here if you didn't grow up watching the NWA in the 80s and, you know, the the early 90s, I guess, when he still had a run before he jumped to the WWF, if you were like us and you kind of just jumped into WCW because of the Monday Night Wars, you probably thought Ric Flair was this boring old man. Yeah. Because I swear this video especially reminded me, at this time, I didn't think Ric Flair was anything special at all. I thought he was yeah. just some boring old man. And this video... Scream, boring old man. That was it. It was it. It was only when I actually rented the Royal Rumble 1991 from my video store, probably in like 95 or 96, that I realized like I only cared about Ric Flair because I was just like, oh, I didn't know he was in the WWF. That is all. <laughs> I, that was it. That was that was I, my base. My argument has always been Ric Flair. Obviously, he was a legend anyway, but. He owes so much, and I think he's very grateful, you can tell anytime he does an interview, but he owes so much to jumping to the WWE after WCW ended. They yep. did such a great job of reiterating how important he was by hammering home, you know, he was a legend, 16-time world champ, putting out DVDs, video packages, always treating him like a big deal. They did more to make him the legendary figure that he is than WCW did in 10 years in the nineties. Yeah. In fact, going back to triple H's reign of terror, uh, back in the, uh, the early two thousands, he actually had a DVD that was put out called triple H, the game. Do you remember it? It had like yep. that front cover of that one. And one of the DVD bonus extras was Flair steamboat on there. Yep. And, the reason that that was an extra was because that is the match that Triple H says, that's my favorite match of all time. 
that was the first time I watched that match. You know, we didn't get 1980s NWA tapes at um <laughs> at the video stores in Australia. Didn't, didn't pop up at your Civic? <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, my video stores were good. They weren't that good. But anyway, yeah, I watched that match and thought, oh, now I kind of get it, even, you know, as a teenager. So anyway, Ric Flair, this video, it sucks. That's what we're trying to say in a very roundabout yeah. way. Yeah, and so we start off the pay-per-view. The NWO logo is literally crossed out. I'm talking like big red X through the logo. <laughs> and uh, the Hootie and the Blowfish font is also back for the pay-per-view. But um, <laughs> we we start off with the WCW stop-down. Awful as always. It just kills all the momentum of the pay-per-view. And also, where the hell is Mean Gene? Mean Gene wasn't on this show. He was there on the last show. I, I feel like we're not getting him every pay-per-view anymore. But you know what? Thank God Mean Gene wasn't there because then we would have got a video package, Pyro, the announcer stopped down, then Mean Gene. We've had that before. It takes too much time. So <laughs> thankfully that was gone. But why do they do this? It really does kill the mood because <laughs> Pyro, welcome to Sold Out. Look at the crowd cheering, the excitement. And then... Uh, we're just going to talk for three minutes and tell you about every match. I've already bought the pay-per-view. Just start yeah. the matches. Don't tell me them. I know what, what's on or whatever. Surprise me. And I guess, and I know the logic behind it where it sort of says like, oh, well, you want to you want to welcome people and give them a show. But the WWE seems to do it in about 30 seconds. So I don't know what, they, <laughs> what they're doing. But we should mention too, it does cut to a bit of footage backstage of Goldberg holding his leg. And it splits, it's like for a split second that it goes back to the booth. And my, did you pick this up from Tony Schiavone? Was he attacked or did he fall? I've got that written down. <laughs> Tony Schiavone, I'm telling you, you run like a fine tooth comb over his old commentary and you're really reminded why there was a weird backlash against him. Just yeah. odd choices. Anyway, you know, whatever. He's been doing it for a long time. He's... One of the greats, but some of the things he would do, you're like, what? Why what would you say, did he fall? Why Why would he have fallen anyway? Yeah, mate. Yeah, I'd love it if he did actually fall. That was the storyline. Like, you know, Goldberg gets injured in the main event, can't compete in the main event due to a, I don't know, a, a wet floor sign that he didn't see backstage. He headbutted but, um... the wall to get himself hyped up. But then he stumbled and fell backwards on a coffee table <laughs> and broke his leg. <laughs> Anything can happen. Yeah, uh, while eating, while getting his protein sauce and eating bananas, he slipped <laughs> yeah. on a peel. Um, we'll get into our first match because it is Mike Enos versus Chris Benoit. And all I could say is my first line is Benoit's day. Uh, Benoit's doing the heavy lifting here. And there's the Benoit uh, booger spray taunt that we know and love. Yeah, we get a bit of the, the boogers from Benoit and then Mike Enos does it back to him. <laughs> So there you go. Dueling snot blowing is the highlight of this match. Can I just say the Chris Benoit enters to the horseman theme. Now the mm -hmm. four horsemen theme song is fantastic. That's Brilliant. one of the yeah. underrated uh, Jimmy Hart, you know, WCW productions. Mike Enos though, maybe the only person on the roster with less personality than 1999 <laughs> Chris Benoit. <laughs> You kidding me? Chris Benoit came out looking like bloody gorgeous George <laughs> compared to Mike Enos. Like, oh my god, um, Mike Enos. I will say. Oh, the other note that I've put here is Mike Enos sells chaps. Uh, sorry, sells chops like um, he was hit by a bus. And uh, there's a lot of selling too, and bear hugs as well. 
Yeah, so much stalling and just long chin locks and bear hugs. Uh, you wouldn't know it from this match, but did you know Mike Enos was the uh, PWI Rookie of the Year in 1989? <laughs> so, you know, in 10 years, he really, really didn't live up to the hype. In 1989, was there only 500 wrestlers <laughs> on the planet? <laughs> Surely someone better debuted in 1989. <laughs> feels like prime time for you know people getting into the business anyway what would we know oh no anyway it's look there's not really much to say about this benoit wins bobby the brain sort of sums it up with the line what a way to start the year Mm, with that match can i just say though one fun bit of commentary again from tony shivani during this match he's talking about goldberg you know being attacked he does say that the falcons the atlanta falcons who you know goldberg played for whatever so yeah. the the falcons have made the super bowl and he thinks that's got to give goldberg an advantage going into his match tonight right. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> makes perfect sense there um uh next up we see a promo video for the scott hall versus goldberg taser on a pole a ladder match not really much to write aside from that it's What's that inoffensive... video meant to be the intro to the pay-per-view but they went with the rick flair video instead because it felt it does, like an it, odd placement for a hype video. It really did too, especially since they play it later. And that there's no voiceovers or anything like that. It's just like footage, footage, foot. It's like, you know what so, you know what it looks like? It looks like someone rendered it and then forgot to put the voiceover over the top of it. Well, it feels like a lot of these WCW videos. But <laughs> what I liked about this, the music for the video sounded like it was from like WCW versus the world on 64. It was it terrible. Did. And then Goldberg at the end of it says, Scott Hall, you're first. I'm like, all right. I, I like at the end of it, it's like they clarify too, like Goldberg normally says, You're who's next, but this time he said, Who's first? And you're like, But why? Like, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> like I get it in the WWE. Remember when he said, you know, when it was about his comeback and he was like, mm. I don't know if I've got it in me. Goldberg really, seriously, when you look back at it, he became a really good talker only the past few years in WWE, I think. But anyway, yeah. he did that great promo where he ended it, where he said, like, Brock Lesnar, you're last, because he was saying, this is my, you know, last run. But yeah. saying you're first to Scott Hall in the middle of his career? I don't get it. Yeah. Don't really make too much sense. Speaking of not getting anything, Norman Smiley's out next with an urn uh, taking on Chavo Guerrero. And... I am appreciative of commentary here because I'm like, what the hell is he doing with an urn? Is this like a dig at Taker? What's going on? But the remnants of Pepe, the mm. little wooden horse that uh, Chavo used to ride on Nitro, are in the urn. And all I could say is, if this match couldn't, uh, what we, couldn't get any worse, it's Rest Hold City by uh, Smiley on Chavo. Oh, it is not good. Seriously, between these first two matches, it feels like we're watching an episode of WCW Saturday Night. How can no. this be on a pay-per-view? Anyway, um, they talk about Norman Smiley's shoes to waste some time <laughs> while they're in some long uh, submissions. They talk about that he's not wearing pro wrestling boots. He's wearing amateur wrestling boots. There you go. But anyway, yeah. Bobby Heenan only asked that question when I listened back to it. So he asks about his shoes. Tanae gives this long, detailed answer. And then Bobby just says, oh, well they look like roller skates. He only set it up so he could say that they look like roller skates. Anyway. Did you notice too, there is a, there is a pop where um, there is, because the crowd is 
dead silent here. There's only a brief pop when uh, Norman Smiley teases a big wiggle, but then pulls back. Yeah, that was the only uh, time the crowd made any noise. Um, Smiley does a gory special, then a big wiggle, then he spanks Chavo Guerrero, mm. to which Tony Schiavone then says, what a matchup this has been. <laughs> Oh, my stars. Yeah, uh, Smiley wins with the chicken wing after throwing the remnants of Pepe into the face of Chavo Guerrero. Yeah. And that is that. As they said, after a face full of Pepe, which just (laughs) great, one of the great lines of commentary. Oh, (laughs) my. Yeah, it's it's not good. Uh, We'll quickly move on towards Conan at the WCW.com. Um, little internet desk. And I got to say, this part I actually like. This is the first part of the paper. I'm like, maybe this is how bad everything has been that Conan has been like, oh, thank God it's Conan to help us out. Oh, Conan talking is, you know, that's the equivalent of, uh, I was going to say Chris Benoit wrestling, but not after tonight. <laughs> but anyway, talking is Conan's strong suit. So good for him on the internet. Did like this too, because it, uh, he goes... Because he does a bit of backstory here because he's just like, kind of wants to know who wanted him out of the NWO and why Nash and Luger did it because he tries to play how, like, you know, the Wolfpack was family and they turned their back on me, blah, blah, blah. Really good stuff from Conan, which mm. is a sentence that we don't often say too much on this podcast. Uh, speaking of, like, the, okay, that's a highlight. Back straight into the low light here because it's Fit Finlay versus Van Hammer. I've only got two dot points here. That's basically it. <laughs> I've got more. I've just got Fit Finley dominates, gets the tombstone to win. Okay. I will make note. Fit Finley has his cool Iron Maiden sounding music. Van Hammer though. Van Hammer, who was in the flock and previous to that, he was Van Hammer because it was meant to be a take on Van Halen. I think he was like a heavy heavy metal guy. Anyway, Van Hammer is now a hippie. He came out in tie-dye and his music has kind of a... You know, if you smell what the rock is cooking type sting at well, the start. And it yeah. just said far out. And then now his music sounds like the doors or something. So anyway, <laughs> Van Hammer evolving his gimmick. Uh, I also said, is this an episode of Thunder? And what the <laughs> F are these matches? And then I made note on the commentary though. Tony Schiavone. I know we're just going on Tony every match here. <laughs> I've mentioned how he sandbags Bobby Heenan a lot. So Bobby Heenan, again, I've we've spoken about, he's not really a heel in WCW. He's kind of just a neutral. He'll play both sides. He'll give a lot of great insight and, you know, hmm. context into the pro wrestling part. They're talking about Ric Flair and David Flair's match coming up. And he says, do you think um, David Flair is nervous going into his debut? And then he says to Tony, sincerely too he's not even trying to be a heel he says tony weren't you nervous calling your first ever wrestling match tony shivani just goes no i wasn't not at all all right cool great improv tony yes and no <laughs> just no not to know it really anyway, did seem like it, it did seem like says, to- oh what about you today and today's like yeah i was really nervous then bobby says even i was nervous so again bobby heenan who's known as this uh, you know, real the greatest, uh, yeah. this heel who's very arrogant and one of the best ever. He says, well, I was very nervous. My pro wrestling debut when I started in the seventies and he's trying to make the point that David Flair would be overcome with nerves and that's going to be a challenge, but nah, old Tony Schiavone just got a sandbag. him. <laughs> just 
these these um ninety seems to be the year where Tony Schiavone just seems to check out completely. Oh, absolutely, and and I think mm. it gets even worse with him and Bobby, and then Bobby leaves, and then Tony checks out even more. Yeah, the the absolute peak Tony Giovanni checking out is when he teams up with Mark Madden in two thousand. But boy, I can't wait to get to that part. Serves him uh, right. Serves yeah. him right. He didn't want to work with Bobby Enon. Sure, well, there you go. He's Mark Madden. <laughs> uh, next up, this is where the Pope picks up a little bit because Wrath takes on Bam Bam Bigelow. Um, the thing, I my first note that I put down is both Wrath and Bigelow are wrestling like it's 1994 and they're in their prime because they are going balls to the wall here. It's fantastic. Wow, you like this match that much? Yeah. Maybe, I will say. Well, I've just I've just sat through Fit Finley, Norman <laughs> Smiley, and Chavo. So forgive me if I'm I'm excited to see Adam Bomb versus Bigelow. <laughs> I would, yeah, that that's the funny thing. In 1995, this is like the most <laughs> mid card match ever on you know in your house number two or whatever. But no, no, not say, even that. It's it's like World Tour '96 in <laughs> yeah, Kuwait. You're like, oh wow, this is good. I will say this: this is the first match that felt big. Mm-hmm. The first match with some action. <laughs> Bam Bam Bigelow was really, really good here in this match. He's been good, you know, obviously his whole career at this point. Still got a lot left in him. Wrath uh, is over with the crowd for whatever reason. He's exciting. He looks great. I will say, though, the thing that took me out of the match was the ending. So Bam Bam Bigelow, we know he's this badass. They've brought him in to feud with Goldberg and whatever. Wrath, though, is kind of this unbeaten monster still who feels mm-hmm. like he's young, he's getting this big push. Bam Bam just beats him clean in the middle of the ring with his finisher, and that's it. And the crowd goes dead silent because no yeah. one was expecting this. Yeah, very much so. And and remember, too, Wrath is, is completely transitioned away from that, like, you know, run with Mortis. So yeah. he's just Adam. He's just basically Brian Adams in it. Not Brian Adams. Brian, uh, Brian Clark. Clark. Yeah, Brian Adams. Definitely not Brian no, Adams. No, he's more entertaining than Brian Adams. Yeah, so he's just basically uh, Brian Clark in a new coat of paint here. But um, did you happen to notice that they spent a lot of time talking about the bloody tattoo on Bigelow's head? Oh, they did. I think um, <laughs> I think Bobby Heenan said something along the lines of like, oh, wow, you know, Rogaine treatment has really changed or something. They were making <laughs> as many jokes as they could and uh, you know, saying they've never seen tattoos like that on someone's head, and yeah, yeah. So look, this was a pretty decent match, but you're right. Uh, it, even if they did, I thought they were going to go for a double knockout because remember they both just smack each other in the head, and then mm. everyone's happy because it's like, oh, these two giants have just like gone neck and neck. And yeah, you're right. When he pulls out the greetings from Astry Park and just gets the win in the middle, it's almost <laughs> like. I don't know, someone unplugged Wrath's controller and just yeah. left it there. <laughs> was he meant to lose? Was he meant to kick out and he didn't? It felt wrong. I don't know. Yeah, it was strange. It was really, really strange. But um, next up, it's Conan versus Lex Luger. Conan has the psycho theme, which is fantastic. This is the Conan that we know and love. I honestly thought the network would have dubbed over this. I thought maybe it's the song that didn't make, you know, the, the copyright cut. I'm so glad it's on. Between... The Wolfpack music and Psycho, Conan is on a run of great theme songs. I've got a soft spot for this song still. And I'll tell you yeah. what, West Virginia is about it, about it, and rowdy, rowdy, because they were oh. this is This is the best part, too, because Conan comes out, does that one of these 
the most nonsensical promo <laughs> you'll ever get. And everyone, everyone is eating out of his hand here. It's so it's so nonsensical that there is a bit where he tells Lex Luger to not only toss his salad, but peel his potatoes. That's right. He wants you to do the full full service here. I love that he set it up with like talking about salad dressings. <laughs> such a great way to go into it because maybe that was his cover. He's like, well, if I talk about salad dressings too, I'm not going to get in trouble because no one at the back will know what I'm talking about. But I think there we've is- mentioned, just Google in your own time, what oh, yeah. tossing salad and peeling potatoes means. There, I can't believe great... he got it on air. <laughs> there was another one in like 2000s Nitro where he says on like primetime TV, he where, where the filthy animals are there. It's him and Disco Inferno. And he, I don't know whoever he's calling out. Like we'll just say Mike Sanders for, for argument's sake. He's like, yo, Mike Sanders, when you're out in the back helping Richard Gear County's gerbils, come out here and fight me. And it's like, what? <laughs> Conan was pushing the limits. So here's the thing too. Conan does that promo. Lex Luger comes out and speaks in fluent English. And I have no idea what he said. <laughs> yeah, look, Lex Luger, not the best promo guy. And uh, I don't know what he was on about, but he was trying to get the point across that like you're a B team player and some teams have an A team and a B team. And some people don't make the cut in football and you didn't make the cut. I got to say, I'm really, one of the things I'm sad about getting to this point in WCW, not just that it's terrible, but we're at the end of Lex Luger ever being a face again. Yeah. And the the two, like we've, if we say the run he had in 96, 97 and 98, barely anyone was ever as over as him. He had a lot of fun matches, great moments, and that's it. Now we've got to watch from now until 2001 of just Lex Luger just not caring anymore and that's it yeah lex luger then the total package where he completely drops the name lex luger then it's his tag team with total uh totally buff with buff bag it's just oh mm. yeah and it's, then it's a i think we get some sean stasiak or one of those guys teams with him i don't know yeah oh god yeah the mecca of manhood no oh <laughs> no sorry actually not just him like there's that whole little world that they had all their feuds chuck palumbo as well mm. Mm. anyway yeah it, it doesn't get good so uh valet lex luger's career here mm. um uh, the crowd is fully into conan here as you said uh and he's going to town on lex luger um elizabeth comes out as conan has lex in the tequila sunrise and sprays him with a can of spray paint in the face you want to talk about the sandbagging that goes on with the wcw commentary team them arguing over is it spray paint or is it mace or is it something takes so much out of the match doesn't yeah. it oh i can't really see the black on his face i don't think any came out oh but you know the alcohol in there still did damage just go along with it <laughs> go along with the damn thing and yeah torture rack by luger gets the win it's still a great move the torture rack the way that lex puts it on he, there's no chicken dance part too he nah, knows that's a face heel, move nah. yeah he can't <laughs> he do the dance <laughs> nah. they'll they'll just start cheering they can't help it they'll just be overcome with the, the torture rack dance it's like like pavlov's dog there it's just <laughs> yeah, like once exactly. chicken dance happens everyone starts cheering I, but i um, will that... say like this match the crowd was more into it than anything else so far wasn't a good match because Conan, like three minutes in, is absolutely out of breath. At <laughs> one point, so he goes up. for a for an Irish whip, 
He can't even bring himself to use two hands to do an Irish whip. He kind of just tugs on Lex's arm with one arm. And Lex full bolts like it's a video game when you press the run button. Conan, seriously, great promo. Terrible, terrible in the ring. And Luger, actually, he's got the full sprint on, like, you've hit the run button in Mortal Kombat 3. Yeah, like, he's just, yeah exactly. He's just full on, like, <laughs> He shouldn't have sold it. To be honest, he should have said, mate, you're going to have to put more in it than that. <laughs> um, coming up next, it is Perry Satin versus Chris Jericho. Now, the stipulation is that the loser has to wear a dress. And uh, another great sign of the times here. A sign in the crowd says, Satin will, uh, was it, is it Rack Uranus? <laughs> Maybe like, Satin yeah. will wreck Uranus? Wreck, yeah, 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 as in the planet Uranus. Yeah, like. yeah, <laughs> because he is the planet Saturn. Yeah, so a nice play on words there, but at the same time, it's just like, oh man, they would put anything on well, at this point in time. I wonder if it was the same guy who had a sign in the last match. Uh, that said, unwrap the total package, which is pretty funny too. <laughs> yeah, it's a South Park era, so <laughs> yeah, um, pretty much. Um, what, did you pick up that line from Mike today? What are the long term effects of wearing a dress? Yeah, I. <laughs> there was so much in this where just yeah, the commentators. If any of this was said now, they'd all be cancelled because yep. all of them, face and heel, to all of them. Wearing a dress is absolutely the worst thing any man could do. I love it. What are the long-term effects? <laughs> like it's CTE or something. Yeah. Um, can I just say one thing I hated about this match? Mm. The storyline with the referee. The referee oh. being on the take and having history with Saturn and they broke yeah. in together and, oh, there's been some tension between them. I am so sick of WCW doing referee storylines can yeah. can they stop doing it between Nick Patrick, uh, Randy Anderson when he got fired, that other referee, the small guy, whatever his name was, feels like every pay per view. Oh, and then again, we're gonna get Little Nature eventually. Yeah, we don't care about the referees that much. <laughs> There's a balance between WWE having the weird policy for a while of not talking about the referees and not naming them, and what WCW is doing. Don't do either of those things. Tell yeah. me their name and don't put them in a storyline. That's it. Or maybe yeah. put them in a storyline once every three years. Yeah, there, there's a fine balance between, uh, between you know, putting them in storylines and doing the WWE 2K, blurring their faces out <laughs> <laughs> in showcase mode. But um, uh, I got to mention too, Saturn's popularity is cooled down so so badly after this like the guy was the one of the bit like during the feud with the flock he was one of the hottest superstars in wcw and now it's just he's ice cold at the moment yeah it's absolutely cooled off for saturn jericho's doing great stuff here he's out with yeah. ralphus it's a lot of fun i'll tell you what i had very high hopes for this match considering who's in it and considering how bad the rest of the show has been it's not a bad match like it's not as good as it could have been, but they do a lot of fun reversals and it looked like a match you would see in the future. It was ahead of its mm. time, I think. Yeah, really, really good stuff. There's an awesome reversal of the line tamer by Saturn. Uh, Saturn also um, gets Jericho into a small package and the referee, Scott Dickinson, that's his name, reverses it. So, which I thought was kind of creative. 
like how he just sort of flips him over, like because it makes sense. So Jericho is the one that's pinning it. A fast count gets the win, and Saturn has to wear the dress. And they spent way too long focusing on him putting on that damn dress. And so much on, oh, the referee has to hand him the dress because Jericho manipulated him into doing it. Yeah, I don't know. Just so dumb. Yeah. yeah. Um, next up, it's David Flair at WCW.com. And I've written down here, David showing all the charisma of his WWF Titan Tron here. <laughs> <laughs> That's... Well, Abby, yeah, David Flair is unfortunately the punchline of, you know, second generation not living up like he is the best example of that unfortunately yeah which is a damn shame but hey look it is what it is and i guess there were different standards back then because uh, i remember he trained in the power plant as opposed to like the pc when it comes to charlotte so uh mm. charlotte was also a great athlete already and like a champion volleyball player what credentials right. did david flair have <laughs> rick's son rick that was basically it <laughs> Um, next up, it is Kidman versus Hoovertude Guerrero versus Psychosis versus Mysterio. Uh, Hoovertude's water-soaked hair is sprayed the camera, which I thought was pretty amusing. Mm. What is Tony Schiavone talking about this stupid coin toss thing as well? <laughs> so, this isn't a four-way match in the way we know it now. This is old-school rules where two guys start, but they have to tag out. So, the coin toss was to determine who starts in the ring, because it's not a tag team match. So hmm. two men have to start, and he's saying that gives them the advantage, which it does because you could pin a guy, and no, you know the other two opponents don't even get in the ring. Yeah. Um. So there's a huge USA chant to start off because it's Rain mm. Kidman to uh to start, which <laughs> I always find amusing in WCW crowds. Um. Uh, it's kind of cool because Hoovy and Psychosis didn't go at it. They both go to tag Rain Kidman, but they dodge the tag uh, to jump out of the ring. It's there's this weird little um, alliance that Ray and um, Kidman have in the past couple of pay-per-views, which is played on here, but it's a solid match. And there's some pretty devastating, like there's an awesome apron powerbomb to the floor. This is 90, 99, 98, 98, 99 Cruiserweight seemed to just ramp it up because we've all seen Lena, the high flying back in 96 onwards. Now they're really starting to do moves that you just like, you might want to like dial it back and, unless you want to end up like the dynamite kid guys. Yeah, they're really pushing the limits here. Look, I will say about this match, there were some good moves. Uh, the opening exchange with Ray and Kidman was awesome and it was exciting. They tag out, though, to Hoovy and Psychosis. Hoovy and, and Psychosis, you would assume, have great chemistry and whatnot. It was terrible compared to yeah. Ray and Kidman. They were, like, getting lost and, like, bumping into each other on Irish whips. It was awkward. And I, I know this is getting too deep into it, but the psychology of the match took me out of it because just as a fan, you're watching it and you're like, yeah, all right, don't you want to stay in the ring and win? When yeah. Kidman and Ray did the cute spot where they both refused a tag, that doesn't make you look cool and smart. It makes you look like a dumbass. You want to be yeah. in the ring to win. You not being in the ring means you can't win the match. Yeah. The entire thing is the fact you got to tag out takes you out of it completely why would so you ever not tag out <laughs> yeah. yeah so not wanting to tag in yeah just completely makes it even stupid yeah. and then i will say the crowd was into it for the most part but there was a point in, near the end where they all go out of the ring and they all do the convoluted oh we're all going to stand here so everyone can attempt to dive 
the crowd absolutely died from then to the finish. The crowd's not into the match. Yeah, like you, uh, Hoover Two Guerrero does a, a sit down splash on, and and Psychosis also does one to the outside, and it's just there for being there. Like yeah. it's just kind of like okay, now's the time. Uh, shooting star press on Hoover Two Guerrero, lot of high flying. It's a good match, but it also it, it's the it's the same reason that people criticize like Young Bucks matches now because there's really not much to it aside from the big moves. Yeah, <laughs> again, you can watch this match and enjoy it. Don't think too much about it, I think yeah, is the yeah, lesson. Exactly. I yeah. do want to say, so the next match on this pay-per-view is the the Flair tag team match. As mm. I was watching this pay-per-view, the network decided to cancel itself. <laughs> so I found the rest of the show on a stream. Yeah. But I couldn't, for the life of me find this flair tag team match so nims it's all yours for this oh man this is fantastic um but anyway we'll quickly (laughs) run through this booker t uh is at wcw.com chris jericho interrupts him and booker t uh has argued about their win over saturn i guess this leads to a match at nitro and then we'll move on to our next match which is kurt hennig and barry windham versus rick flair and david flair all right so i'm gonna like this match so rick flair We'll we'll start off with the stipulations here. The Horsemen of Bard, every like it's just got to be Ric Flair and David Flair here. So Ric Flair is in the ring with a chair, and Kurt Hennig objects to Arn Anderson being there. Flair says, "Unless you want to go and because uh, Flair is still still the president, gets on the microphone and cuts a promo saying, "Unless you want to go and wrestle in the WWF." Get in the ring and wrestle. So that was a pretty cool <laughs> little moment there. Which I hold on, pretty... is that a threat? <laughs> I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd be going right away. <laughs> like, all right, let's do it. Yeah, <laughs> maybe don't say it this pay per view, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> so David Flair starts off and immediately tries to take down Barry Windham with uh, amateur moves. And I got to say, Rick Flair is on the apron, like doing the full. Uh, WCW NWO Revenge tag team fighting where they just keep taunting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. David Flair actually gets a fair bit of offense in and he does really, really well here. But this is the problem with this match. Ric Flair and Barry Windham then start wrestling like it's 1985. Like there's just, you know, quick little test of strengths and all of this sort of stuff. It's just, it's not that great of a match. The only thing is David Flair actually does most of the carrying here. It's crazy. Okay, that's interesting because, yeah, I didn't get to watch this match. When you said Mm. Barry Windham and Ric Flair started wrestling like it was the the 80s, I would have thought that would be good because they had a lot of good matches, but both the guys at this point don't have it anymore. I think Ric Flair would still have it later, you know, and he'd get his mojo back. But here in the mid-90s and late 90s, Ric Flair just wasn't in, like wasn't into it. Ric Flair even says himself, it's the match with Vince McMahon that he had at the O2 Rumble where he sort of got him, found his groove yeah. back. Yeah. Uh, which then led him to that great match against The Undertaker at WrestleMania 18. Very underrated. So on and so forth. But um, yeah, but this time, David Flair actually, and I don't, and I think maybe it's because David Flair is just so, uh, this is his first match and it's the story of him getting one up on the veterans and it's Ric Flair's son and Rick's there so proud and everything like that. So it's very, very cool stuff. So Arn Anderson then comes back out and he and Kurt Hennig scrap to the outside, but double A gets taken out. Hmm. Arn then gets back in the ring to take out Hennig, who has David in a perfect plex attempt, 
But then he takes him out, and then David Flair falls on him and gets the pin. Oh, that's cool. Okay. So that's so that's the finish. We got ourselves a great happy ending. It's fantastic. The crowd goes wild. And they they make mention, like the commentary team does great um, mentioning that David Flair He's got an amateur wrestling background, which is why he's able to take down. Um, they might have underestimated him here. And I guess when David Flair does amateur wrestling moves in 1998, it's kind of more impressive than Barry Windham and Flair doing it in 1998. Mm, maybe you expect more from them. Yeah. yeah okay. So, so by the sounds of it, this sounds like I actually missed the best match on the show. <laughs> or entertaining. I'm, I'm I'm going to stop you there because the match probably goes for about 10 minutes, give or take. Oh. Then you get about 15 minutes of NWO beatdown because at the end of it, the NWO B team comes out. They take out Arn Anderson and Flair. Benoit comes out to help. Guess what happens? He gets taken out as well by the NWO B team, I should point out. Just when you think that's over, who comes out? The NWO Wolfpack. So out comes Hogan. Out comes Nash, out comes Luger, and these guys just absolutely go to town. They start whipping David Flair. They've handcuffed Ric Flair to the bottom rope, and they just go to town on David Flair. And you know... Here's the part where I can jump back in, because I couldn't find the match, but I found the post-match segment. Hmm. So I I got it from when Hogan comes in with the, the real NWO, with the Wolfpack. Yeah. They beat so, the ever-living crap out of David Flair. They whip him so much, and it looks very painful. Apparently, this is what got a lot of heat between um, Ric Flair and WCW at the time, because they're like, you literally were whipping the shit out of my boy. Mm. <laughs> so... And it was Hogan doing it, which is weird, because Hogan is usually known as having kind of a light touch when it comes to punching or kicking or using weapons, but... Yeah. Was Hogan doing it to like, oh, initiate him into the biz? You know, I'm old school kind of mm. bullshit. Now, is it is it just me or did this go on for way too long? So long. And the crowd were chanting, we want Sting. No we one Goldberg. came out. We want Goldberg. We want anyone. They just dragged this out. And Ric Flair is doing great acting while being handcuffed, but he has to do it for so long that you almost see him go in and out of character where he yeah. hold it up the whole time where it gets a bit awkward. So this is the thing, like have the, I'm, I'm all for the NWO beatdown because, you know, David Flair has just embarrassed you. But this, I reckon, I actually reckon that the beatdown goes longer than the match. Yeah, it was way it, too long. It is huge. It is absolutely huge. But yeah, up until the post-match beatdown, it's, it's a very entertaining match because they, they want the underdog and, Wherever they are, they're in Virginia, mm, West Virginia. Yeah, West Virginia loves Flair, so yeah. he's they've just ruined it with that, which like, like they do with it's the most NWO thing to do, which is ruin like absolutely shit in the serial and ruin the ending by dragging it on for too yeah. long. Don't have a happy ending, like oh oh wow, the good guy finally overcame the NWO. Nah, we're just gonna beat you down after it. There's there's a point where you shouldn't do that. Yeah. Yeah. Now, were you able to see the uh, the the grainy video package of Goldberg attack uh, being attacked on Nitro, and basically just he's now another dude? No, I just got the match. So, uh, so the they show a video package which looks like a hype more for the NWO than it does for the feud okay. because all it is is them showing like they must have 
I'm guessing in almost every Nitro between Starcade and Sold Out, Goldberg gets beaten down by the NWO. <laughs> yep. This unstoppable dude that had a 173 and zero streak, and I know he sounds like one of those, you know, like why WCW died podcast, but it's true. They literally just make him look like a chump. Maybe their thinking was we already did it with Sting, where Sting was invincible and could beat us all up. So maybe with Goldberg, let's try and make him more human, where he can't beat us all up. Yeah, maybe. But then but... Goldberg has never lost a match, so he should be the one who can do that. Yeah. Anyway. There's a whole bunch of things where he gets tased again, blah, blah, blah. And then it ends, it ends with Scott Hall, you know, basically staying tall with it. You know, the, you've seen the footage here where he's just like to the camera with the, yeah. Yeah. So and, anyway. and look, just so everyone knows, we're at the point, this is post finger poke of doom. Yep. So Hulk Hogan is the world champion, not Kevin Nash who won the world title on the last pay-per-view. Yeah. Who yeah, so ended Hogan... the streak. <laughs> for two weeks. Yeah. And now Nash <laughs> is just a henchman for Hulk Hogan again. Yeah. On the same level as Lex Luger. That's uh, the picking exactly. order. <laughs> yeah. One in the main event of Starcade gave the belt to Hogan. Neither guy... <laughs> Neither the guy who won the world title on the last pay-per-view or the guy who is currently the world champion wrestled a match on this show yeah wasn't even in the last show but anyway um so michael buffer's out to do his usual michael buffer shtick and he explains the rules there's no pinfalls no submissions it's the first person to climb the ladder get the stun gun and zap the other to win mm. that's a direct quote yeah that's a quote that michael buffer has said but um uh did you happen to see scott hall's pre-match promo yeah it was pretty good I, yeah. I'm still annoyed that Scott Hall is a heel again and the Wolfpack are heels. I'm going to yeah. hate this whole run. <laughs> and justifiably, so I might say. <laughs> but um, uh, So Scott Hall cuts a promo saying that Goldberg's out of the match and, uh, you know, to just award him the win. Some classic heel stuff here. But Goldberg's music hits and immediately Michael Buffer rebuts that, which I thought was nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this is Scott Hall's... I, uh, just a quick little stat. This is Scott Hall's third solo pay-per-view main event. Rumble really? 93, Super Brawl 98, and Sold Out 99. Oh, as a singles wrestler. As okay. a singles wrestler. Yeah. yeah. Like plenty of NWO ones. The Survivor Series one, I think, where he teams up with uh, someone to take on the King. Oh, who is it? It's him and it's Scott uh, Razor Ramon and Ric Flair. Perfect, perfect and savage because it was meant perfect to be warrior, but warrior was uh, did his warrior thing <laughs> gone one of the many times. So, um, so both men are slow to start the match, but Scott Hall is in peak chicken shit heel mode here. Can I just say, Scott Hall, I know he's been iffy for a few months, not at his best for a lot of different reasons. Scott Hall being in the main event here turns into the Scott Hall we all know and love. He puts in a lot of effort here to carry Goldberg to a pretty good match. I actually thought this was the best match on the show and pretty good regardless, even if it was on a different show. Scott Hall really showed why he was one of the best in this era. Like, yep. honestly, he carried Goldberg and Goldberg held up his end too, but Scott Hall specifically makes this a pretty good match. 
Ooh, I'm gonna I'm gonna rebut you there on the uh, Goldberg because there's some sloppy stuff by Goldberg. When you watch this match, you can see why he ended Bret Hart's career. Can't I'm you? on I'm doing this on the Goldberg scale. <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah, Scott Hall is on a different level. Goldberg like <laughs> is at a better level than usual, and it's yeah. good for what it is. But you know, like um, Scott Hall even does an elbow drop from halfway up the ladder, which looked good. There's a nice yeah. back suplex from Goldberg to haul off the ladder. Like they're putting it in effort. I think on paper, a lot of fans might be like, Ooh, what are they going to do in a ladder match? They have a match that makes sense. That's, yep. you know, all about climbing the ladder and winning, not setting Scott up Hall. the ladder to do a move. You know, <laughs> there's a bit too where Scott Hall drop kicks the ladder as well, just oh, to stop exactly. uh, Goldberg getting up there. Yeah. Very nice. See uh, Scott Hall pull out a drop kick. Yeah. The other thing too is like you got to remember if there is anyone that you want to have a ladder match with, Scott Hall is the guy to do it. <laughs> Pretty sure he knows what to do there. Um, <laughs> there's even a bit I got to say, Scott Hall takes the bump off the ladder, trying to do the thing, you know, where you land nuts first on the, the rope. Yeah, man, he misses it by a little bit, and it happens sometimes to a lot of guys. But it hits him in the upper thigh, and he just ricochets right off it. It looks very painful. Mm. Um, they're killing each other here. Yeah, we're getting, unfortunately, we get a little bit of NWO shenanigans here because Disco Inferno runs out to help Hall and he gets the taser. Goldberg, then with a kick to the head, the heart attack, as some people have dubbed it. (laughs) Yeah, can I just say, speaking of um, just when Disco runs out, Disco runs out and knocks Goldberg off the ladder. So Hall took the leg first bump onto the rope Goldberg takes the neck first bump onto the rope. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like it Mortal Kombat uppercuts him. His <laughs> neck. I'm so surprised Goldberg wasn't decapitated. It might be the worst version of that bump I've ever seen. If you ever want to like, you know, um, talk about like, you know, the development territory between like WWF and Dr. Tom and all those guys doing some good work with people that never wrestled like The Rock um mark henry and all that and just see what happened to their careers whereas look at the power plant <laughs> and what have come what's come out of there like it, you, you definitely know which school you wanted to go to but um did you happen to notice in the crowd that lady sc- that screaming for goldbeak to get the taser yeah yeah she's like it's right there it's because he he was out the ring the taser fell out yeah. of the ring and then there was a scramble that was actually really fun too though because the drama, because it's a different type of match, it's not about getting the thing on top of the ladder. It's about using it. Once mm-hmm. the ladder falls out of, uh, sorry, once the taser falls out of the ring, there's a race for the taser. And uh, yeah, I thought even this little ending bit was still fun. When Disco came out, I groaned. Yeah, but they yeah. turned it into something else here because it then became about, okay, well, who's going to use the taser? Yeah. And that was that was a good part of it too. But yeah, a spear and jackhammer. Then there was a horrible camera cut to the entrance as Bigelow enters. Bit of foreshadowing accidentally there. <laughs> yeah, I, I do want to say the the spear and jackhammer though, the way they did it was great because yeah. Goldberg has the taser and Scott Hall is being a chicken shit, like you said, and he's backing off Goldberg and he's like, don't do it. Goldberg milking it with the crowd. The crowd is going absolutely mental here. Awesome spot, like action movie style where Goldberg throws the taser up and Scott Hall goes to grab it and Goldberg spears him while Scott Hall's trying to catch the taser. That was brilliant. Then Jack Hammer, crowds 
so excited. They're so happy. And then what do they do? Like you said, they cut the camera to the entrance and here comes Bam Bam. That little spot, though, reminds me of the um, the only thing that I can think that beats it is the rock intercepting the nightstick. Uh, oh, at that's Survivor, Survivor Series. Series. No, not that yeah. good. But yeah, it's not that good. No, but it's that but, good. But like you said, we'll use the Goldberg scale here. Yeah, yeah. And oh, it's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, at the end, though, Hall and the NWO get the last laugh. And it's... It, look, the paper just ends jarringly as well. Yeah, not not even just on the like unhappy ending with the heel. So so Bam Bam runs out. Scott Hall gets the taser, and Scott Hall tasers Bam Bam and Goldberg just a bunch of times, and then cut to black. It's all over. That's it. Yeah, it's crazy. Not even a good night. It's just boom. I don't think they knew it was ending. <laughs> yeah. So. Look, that was sold out in 1999, and it continues our streak of not having seen a good sold out yet. So that's yeah. it, because the first one was the NWO sold out. Mm-hmm. I think every so, sold out has one good match on it. That's it. That's true. That's true. I will give you that. There is always a highlight there. But um, if we're, it's going to be hard to try and figure out who is an MVP here because even normally we, we can delve into that, like really like get a tenuous link. We're like, oh, well, Bobby the Brain Heenan was good. I'm really struggling to think of I'm what is only, good here. I'm just going to say Scott Hall. Yeah. Just yeah. had a solid main event with Goldberg. Wasn't as short as the normal Goldberg match. He did great character stuff. And you know Scott Hall came out, came up with that spot for the ending yep. with the taser. Yeah. <laughs> that's, no, that's, that's Scott Hall all the way. It's really ironic that during Goldberg's big run, the people that did the most for him to make him look good is uh, actually... It was basically like, you know, DDP and the Outsiders. Mm, yeah, they really, really went out of the way, even though he kind of hated the Outsiders for a while there too. <laughs> um, can I, So you were talking about Scott Hall's main events. So what were they? The Rumble with Brett, the one Rumble with Rumble 93. Yep. And, this one. And that's it, I think. Does he wrestle Jeff Jarrett for the world title in like 2000? I swear he does. No, he's not even in WCW in 2000. Maybe it's late 99. Because I remember they give him one last shot as a face against Jeff Jarrett. No. Like, because it is Starcade, Starcade uh, 99 is where everything, all the wheels fall off because Brett can't compete, Sean can't compete, and Jeff Jarrett can't compete. Okay. So and then so by the time Sid gets the belt, Jeff Jeff Jarrett only becomes world champion after the Bischoff Russo regime takes over. Okay, so they never wrestle. No, it might be for the U.S. title. Oh, maybe, possibly. But yeah, those are Scott because Scott Hall is once he's never seen again. He's actually only ever seen once in WCW 2000 and that's on a coal miners on a pole match where Booker T has the photo of him the yeah yeah when he was um you know away for reasons or whatever yeah yeah and then there is and mid-june it's where Goldberg uh there's a custody for Scott Hall match where if Nat where they're fighting for Scott Hall's contract and Goldberg beats Nash I don't remember that 
Wow. It's, it, I think it was like Bash of the Beach 2000, so there's a lot. Yeah. yeah, why would anyone remember any of this? Yeah, so it's it's such a it's such a shame that Scott Hall basically because all of '99 Scott Hall's on fire in WCW. He's doing some really good work, but then the Ooh. wheels fall off um, after NWO 2000, and he ends up because Scott Hall is in ECW. Let's see when he's in ECW. I think it's towards the start of um or mid nineteen ninety-seven. Uh it's actually quite funny too, because he's not meant to be. Yeah, November uh 11th November is where Scott Hall makes his ECW debut. Mm. And there's a, if, if you watch the footage that comes out, because he's not actually meant to be on TV where the camera focuses on him and he's kind of like like points. And he's away. like, yeah. <laughs> it's like you're not meant to film me. <laughs> Okay, I'm just having a look here while we try and figure this out. So yeah. Super Brawl 2000, it's a three-way dance, Sid Vicious, Scott Hall, and Jeff Jarrett for the world title. Maybe go. that's what I'm thinking. Okay. Yeah. So he never oh, well, gets ca- another singles match. That doesn't I reckon- Yeah, triple threat. Yeah. But huh. <laughs> dude, yeah. while you're still look while you're still looking up Super Brawl 2000, <laughs> look up this yeah. the poster for Super Brawl 2000. It's just <laughs> Sid Vicious on the cover. Is that the one you you thinking of? Oh, is it? Or it looks like he's one? crying with his hand out. Is not that? No, no. Um, <laughs> look on IMDb for the <laughs> for the cover of Super Brawl two thousand. Oh, do they have a different one? Okay. Yeah, because I think the one on Wikipedia is the yeah the the Wikipedia cover is the VHS. Okay. IMDB Super Brawl 2000. <laughs> it's got Booker T on the front. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, weird. Okay, so it's the back of who we can assume is Booker T. To be honest, I don't think it is. Yeah. Um, generic guy's back. Anyway, <laughs> let's say it's Booker T. It's him nude so he's nude back he could be just mm-hmm. topless and he's <laughs> hugging a giant world title and then the tagline is there's nothing they won't do to hold the gold <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome wow now i can i can tell you right now to anyone listening out there if the mere fact that our post pay-per-view rap has been talking about scott hall's main events and super bowl 2000 that'll give you an idea of how good this paper you was yeah <laughs> it was not good this absolutely is one of the worst shows we've ever seen yeah normally we'd say like oh but go out of your way to go check out such and such no don't check out anything in this pay-per-view there's nothing there's nothing redeeming here but um thankfully next up we've got the 1999 royal rumble to cover no chance in hell and this is probably it's it's entertaining it's really entertaining pay-per-view so this will very rapidly wash the bad taste of um sold out 1999 but you can expect that episode coming up very very soon we'll team up with owen because we put the poor dude through some horrible wcw pay-per-views thank christ he didn't have to watch this one but uh we'll be back with another big edition of reliving the war the 99 royal rumble that's coming up next This has been another presentation from the Grey Wolf Entertainment Network, greywolfentertainment.net.